I want you to take out your Bibles uh, or your uh, notes, and I want to read a quick passage of Scripture before we pray again, and it is Genesis 28. Genesis 28 and verse number 10, it's speaking about Jacob. Uh, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took the stones of that place and put uh, them for pillar pillows. And he lay down in the place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on earth, uh, set up on earth, the top of it reached heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, the God of Isaac, the land whereon thy li- thou liest, uh, I to thee I will give it, will I give it to thy seed. And watch this. Verse 14, he says, And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread uh, abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in thee and thy seed shall all the families, everyone say all the families. That's your family, that's my family. All the families of the earth be blessed. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for that blessing. We pray that you would give us a vision uh, for what you want us to do. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us a vision more than what you want us to do, who you are. And I pray that we would have a heart, Lord, and an awe of who you are. And Lord, we would stand in awe of not just who you are, uh, but Lord, we would stand in awe of all that you have done for us. God, that there would be a sense of of love and and a sense of gratitude uh, for all that you have done for us. And Lord, I pray that you'd please lead us through this passage this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now guys, I wanna give you a quick uh, reminder that in about eight or nine days, is Valentine's Day. And uh, man, you wanna, you wanna get a, a, a Valentine's gift uh, for your significant other. And I will tell you this, uh, that uh, every person has to, has to develop in their heart, okay, hey, what are my loved ones, what do they want? Uh, what do I need to give them? And, and uh, one of the most um, uh, weird things about this holiday is Cupid. The little, uh, the little baby with the arrow, uh, that, you know, the shooting the arrow. It's just kind of weird. And so I was, I saw a shirt the other day that said, Cupid is stupid, just buy me food. And, uh, and, and I don't know who wrote that or whatever, but I, I thought, yeah, I agree with the first part of that, uh, and the second, to be honest with you. Um, but, but I, I, I looked up, hey, hey, you know, you always see this and there's a little, you know, a little baby with a heart, you know, and, and, and you, and I thought, man, what's the, what's the background? on that. And, and this is from the Greek god Eros. And it's, it is actually the, the, the Greek word that's used in scripture for erotic love uh, is, is this Greek god Eros. It's just, it's just living life based on your feelings. And it's talking about love in the context of feeling. And there's a lot of people out there hunting for love. They're looking for love, right? And, and Jacob is, is there. He's looking for love. He's actually in this place, 
by himself, he's on this journey for love. He's, he's actually going from Beersheba, the place of seven wells, the place of seven O's, where his father Isaac had, had dug these seven wells. He's going from his birthplace, his place where he knew and was comfortable, and he's going to Haran, which was uh, all the way up north, uh, kind of above modern day Iraq. And uh, he's going there because he's looking for a wife, okay? He's looking for love, but he's also being hunted. And so as Cupid is like the arrow, you know, hunting, you're hunting for love. He's hunting for love, but he's being hunted. And Esau is a professional hunter and archer who is looking to kill his brother. Now you say, why would, why would his brother want to kill him? Well, uh, Esau was duped. Jacob deceived Esau into giving him his, his firstborn birthright and, and, and through lots of different means, he basically stole all of his blessing. Now, Esau was thinking that his blessing was from man, not realizing that his blessing would come from God. God would end up blessing Jacob and, and Jacob's name would be changed Israel. And that's the land of Israel that uh, is over in the Middle East, but is is the Holy Land. It's, 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 it was the place where Jesus came and, and lived 33 and a half years. It's the place where he died, the place where he rose again. So in, in this whole story, you're gonna see the redemptive process, but I think it's really important to understand that in the first night when he is not sleeping in his own bed, he's, he's, he's in a place that he was very unfamiliar with and he was sleeping God brought a dream to him. God brought a, brought a vision to him. And what do we say when we're talking about vision? What we're not saying is, is that, you know, when you go to sleep uh, tonight and you have too much pizza and you have a dream, that that takes the place of scripture. A lot of people say, I had a dream. You need to give me your car. Okay, no, uh, that's not how these things work. You know, like, uh, God will never lead you to dream a dream or have a vision outside of scripture. Let me just say that. So this is God's communication to us. But Jacob was operating during a time before the Torah, before the scriptures. And so God was communicating directly to man. Now, before you were like, yeah, if God showed up to me and he talked to me, I would do it. The answer is maybe, <laughs> The reality is Peter said that there's a more sure word in the written word than if you just heard it because he said, no, I heard, I heard Jesus. But then years later, he's like, is that what he said? Or did he say this? No, it's written, right? We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. And so here you have God revealing this, this vision. Now, the most prolific verse on vision is uh, a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 20, 19. And it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Can you say that with me? Where there is no vision, the people perish. But then it says this, he that keepeth the law, happy is he. It's remarkable to me that the word vision there is the Hebrew word kazan. And it's talking about, it's talking about a perspective based on God's guidelines. It's specifically talking about the fact that God is revealing himself through revealed truth and is specifically mentioning the, the, the mission or the outflow from that visualiz visualization. He's giving you a picture of what could be based on his word, based on his plan. Now, pursuing a God-given vision, it brings mission. It brings purpose, right? There are so many people without purpose, without 
without mission. I mean, literally drive through the streets of Los Angeles or around here, and you will see people who, honestly, they have no mission. They have no purpose. There's, there's just nothing to live for. And it's why the suicide rates are so high and the opi- opiate crisis and everything is connected to the fact that there's no mission. There's no purpose. They don't have a reason to live. There's, or, or the reason they have to live is depressing, right? And so God is, is giving Jacob, he's giving him a picture for what he wants in Jacob's life. And refusing to look or to search or to pursue God's guidance and God's boundaries, it creates the sorrow and it creates the anxiety that come from a lack of boundaries. Now, let me, let me tell you, when it says, where there is no vision, the people perish, the word perish means to, to be discouraged. To, to, to literally, to, to be so, so anxious that you cast off restraint. And then it says, he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So if the boundaries are kept, if you say, oh, these are God-given boundaries, I'm gonna keep them. Within those boundaries, there's happiness, there's fulfillment, okay? Now, let me explain it in the context of children. Children have extreme anxiety when there is the presence of anger and the lack of acceptance or the absence of boundaries. Nothing makes a young child more anxious than when a parent says, whatever Johnny wants, Johnny doesn't know what Johnny needs. So then it puts all the pressure on a young child to say, what do I need to do? Maybe I need to do that. And what, what can I do? What can I get away with? And so there's all this anxiety that was never meant to be there. God's passion for you as his child is to say, here are the boundaries I haven't, I haven't hidden these from you. These are obvious. This is the law. This is the, this is the structure. And you're happy within the structure. There, when there's a vision outside of that structure, that's when everything starts to fall apart. And we're seeing that in society. And so Genesis 28 in verse 23, he starts to talk about some practical boundaries, but then he starts to talk about the spiritual, the spiritual vision he has for his life as well. In verse 13, it says, as the Lord said, I am, you know, I'm your God. I'm the God of, of Abraham. I'm the God of your father, Isaac. And then he says this, after he says, the families of the world are gonna be blessed. In verse 14, we read that. He says, behold, I am with you. So that's a blessing that God is with us. How many of you are thankful that God came down to be with us? And that's what he was saying to Jacob. I'm with you. My presence is with you. I will keep you in all the places that you go. Well, that was good news to Jacob because his brother was going to kill him. So now he has a promise from God that he's not going to die. And I will bring you, uh, I will bring thee again into this land for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to the uh. So he's saying, listen, I'm gonna give you this vision. I'm gonna give you this land. I'm gonna give you this promise. I'm gonna give you this blessing. Here's the vision I have. And it's not gonna complete, be complete until you're back here experiencing the fruition of this vision. So I showed you uh, a, a, a picture, a design, a, a kind of a, a master plan, but, but God's going to develop that vision as he sees fit. God's going to do something in, in our midst and, and that's going to take place. And we won't know uh, exactly what God does until he starts to unfold it. And that's what he was saying to Jacob. So all of us have a choice to build our lives based on our dream 
or as Disney has been saying for 40 years, to follow our heart, right? Follow your heart. <laughs> and as a pastor, I'm like, no, 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 no. That's a bad, bad piece of advice. Listen, we can build our vision, our dream, our heart based on our impulses, what we want, or we can build the vision for our life around the promises of God. God was making specific promises to Jacob and when we follow his promises, we'll never be disappointed in the outcome. Now, I will always be disappointed in the outcome when I follow my passions, my heart, my goals, my dreams. When I am in the driver's seat, I always crash the car. 100% of the time you say, no, I've been doing pretty, pretty good. Well, let's see how long that lasts, okay? Everyone in this room has something in common, and that is we've all messed up our lives royally at some point or another, and we are about to, again, in our own power, on our own strength. God says, hey, I wanna, I wanna give you a better idea. I, I want you to anchor yourself to my promises. I, I, I want you to, to live your life based on my dream, my vision for your life. So let me illustrate it this way. There's uh, a pastor up in uh, uh, Montana who had uh, was taking his family to uh, Israel for the first time, and he brought his eight or nine-year-old son, and his son's name was Lennox, and, and, and he, they were in this hotel in downtown Jerusalem, and they'd had a long day of seeing the sights. And they, they went to sleep, and unknowingly, their son, their eight-year-old son, uh, started to dream and started to sleepwalk. He walked out of his hotel room in his sleep, walked down the hallway, got in the elevator, went down to the lobby and was starting to walk out of the hotel into the streets of Jerusalem in the middle of the night in his underwear, I might add, when security saw this kid, you know, just kind of wandering out of the hotel and brought him back up to his hotel room Okay, somehow they woke him up and found out where it's, where is, where are you, where are you going? Where are you from? Where are your parents, right? And they, 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 they said, you know, you, you, you need to help your, your kid. He's, he was about to wander the streets of Jerusalem. Now, as a pastor, okay, first of all, some of you are looking at me like new fear unlocked, right? You know, you know, wandering in some hotel room, right? Uh, or hotel lobby. But, 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 as a pastor, I look at my life and I look at the lives around me and I think a lot of Christians are guilty of sleepwalking through their Christian life. And you know what sleepwalking looks like and feels like? It feels like you just going from one moment to the next without asking God, hey, God, what do you want me to do? How can I be led by your word? How can I be guided by your promises? How can I build a life based on what you have promised me and based on your blessing and not my ability to bless myself? And so there are three realities about a God-given vision. I wanna give you these in the next few minutes. I believe these will be a blessing from Genesis chapter 28. Number one, I want you to see that vision indicates awe. Now, that word awe, we don't use that word awe, but it, 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 it's talking, we use it in the more common word is awesome. But the root of awesome is awe, wonder. And Jacob, Jacob was in awe after this vision. He was in verse 16, afraid. Jacob woke up, 
waked out of his sleep and he was, man, he, 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 was, he was afraid. He said, surely the Lord is in the place, this place and I know it and I knew it not and I was afraid. And, and I will tell you, oftentimes God shows up in an area where you don't expect him to. A lot of times you'll, you'll, be, you'll be in a moment where you're like, God, you know, you, you weren't thinking about God at all, but God was thinking about you and boom, there he is. And he's showing up. And this is what's happening in Jacob's life. The word afraid is uh, an, uh, yari. And it's the, the Hebrew word that means to be terrified or shaken up, uh, to, to be afraid. But, but why was he afraid? Well, um, he was afraid because in his sleep, there was a ladder uh, coming down, brought from heaven to earth, and, and angels were going up the ladder and down the ladder, and God was at the top of the ladder. Now, now here's, here's what religion has done with this passage. Religion over the years has built a ladder. And religion has said that every moment of good actions and every time that you do something good, you climb that ladder a little bit. But let me tell you something. The, the, the ladder is upside down in the kingdom, meaning we can't get our, climb our way to God. God came down to us and God made a way where there was no way. So let me, let me tell you, there's a story in Genesis it's the story of the Tower of Babel. And it's where, where man was literally trying to build their way to God. And God, God demolished that. He dispersed them. That's where we get different languages, right? You cannot climb your way to God. God comes down to us and in grace, he gives us a way up. And so that's, that's a picture of this. But there's another picture of this that, that Jesus mentioned about himself in John 3.13. Look at this. No man hath ascended up to heaven. So you can't climb a, 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 I almost said highway to heaven. You can't climb a ladder to heaven, but he that came down from heaven. So God sent his son down to earth, even the son of man, which is in heaven. Meaning Jesus is that ladder. Jesus is that one, the way to connect with God. But then also, uh, in, in a minute, we're going to read how, in fact, look at, look at right now, verse 17. At the end of verse 17, he says, this is the gate of heaven. So he was blown away because he's like, I just witnessed the gate of heaven. Well, guess who was called the gate of heaven? In John 10, Jesus is, he uses the Hebrew word dalid or the Hebrew letter dalid that is the, the gate, the door. He's like, I am the gate of heaven. You don't come to God except through me. And so that's what the, the, the gospels say is that the only way to receive Christ is through Jesus. But there was more than just fear there. Look in verse number 17. Verse 17 says, he, he, this is what he said. This is how he described it. He says, how dreadful is this place? For this is none other but the house of God. Well, the word dreadful, we would use it as saying like, that's terrible, right? That's horrible. This word uh, over the centuries has meant that, but, but in this particular context, it's the word not for fear, but the word nore uh, or nori, and it's to be left in awe, to, to, to be uh, awestruck or, or aware of greatness, to stand in awe and wonder, to be overwhelmed by awesomeness. And by the way, the, the, the Psalms are a great picture 
of standing in awe of who, who God is. Psalm uh, 33 in verse number two says, praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with psaltery and an instrument of 10 strings. And then he says, sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise for the word of the Lord is right. I love that statement. The word of the Lord is right and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. The, Jesus is called the word. So God brought this world into existence through his word. He gathereth the waters of the sea uh, together as in a heap. He layereth uh, up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. We are to stand in awe of him. So in awe of God is, is when we are standing in wonder. In awe of who God is and what he can do is the lens through which vision is clarified. I believe that everyone in here can have a vision for your life based on who God is and based on what God has called you to do. Now, it's hard for us to kind of encapsulate or try to try to get in our mind's eye what it looks like or what it feels like to be to be in awe or or have have that reverence to have that the 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 wonder, right? But let me let me let me let me show you a video and and, and in a minute we're going to show you a video of a little girl who has lived her first couple years of life in almost complete blurriness until this happened. Yeah. <laughs> Lani, Lani, put them on. Look, look at mommy. Look at mommy. Oh, look at that. <laughs> 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 Can you say? Wow. Lani, look at me. <laughs> She's just amazed. She, 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 she can't believe it. She, she, she can't keep her mouth closed. I mean, it's like jaw-dropping amazement. That's the type of awe that puts everything in perspective. If our awe of God diminishes, our awe of our problems and our awe of culture and our perspective changes, it will completely be uh, changed. Our vision will be completely changed if our view of God changes. So don't wait to seek God's vision for your life, but begin with who he is. This is who God is. It's not going to change and step into who God has made you to be. Like, this is what God has called me to be. This is how God, listen, God wants you uh, to be close to him. God wants you to, to, to walk in newness of life. What does that mean? That means uh, serving and sacrificing and living a life that's pleasing to him. God doesn't hide what he wants you to do. God doesn't hide how he wants your marriage to be. God doesn't hide how he wants you to serve and what he wants your life to look like and, and, and act like. Listen, God is giving you a vision, but many, many people are afraid of the next step because vision, it not only indicates awe, but it initiates building. Many people would rather be comfortable. And so number two, it initiates building. There, there's, there's a little bit of a discomfort that comes when you realize 
what God has called you to do. And so in chapter 28 and verse 18, Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and he set and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon it on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was called uh, Luz at first. Now, this is a beautiful picture and names are used as pictures in the Bible, all throughout the Bible. But the word Luz or the name Luz, mean, it's an almond grove, but it means a rocky place, a place of separation. It's, it, was, it was the picture of, of what would happen with the almonds. It was, it was a place where they would have to be separated from the tree and then you can't just pick an almond, a raw almond that has to be separated in order to be able to use. There was a pulling apart. There was a separation. And then he called it Bethel. And the name Bethel means God's house, a place for worship, a house or a dwelling place of God, a space for closeness. So there's a togetherness. There's, there's a coming together for Bethel. There's a separation through Luz. And I believe that this is exactly the, 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 the rub with our day and age today. People feel like they can grow separate from God's house. In reality, God's house is meant for you to grow faster and stronger together. Go faster and stronger. Yeah, I can't grow the way God wants me to grow without you. Listen, this isn't my idea. This God's house, this Bethel is God's idea. He doesn't have a plan B for doing his work, for furthering his kingdom, for growing us. He doesn't have a plan B. He has a plan A and it's the church. And it is this place that is God's house. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, you know, uh, we are the temple, you know, inside. And that, that's true too. But I'm telling you that God has a plan for each person in this room. And it's not going to be outside of his house. It's going to be included inside his house. Now, there are a lot of people, especially during the pandemic, that said, you know, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian just as much as I don't, you know, just, just because I'm in my garage doesn't make me a car. And I always say this, that yeah, you, 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 don't have to, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian, but I will tell you that your Christian life will diminish. It will be a problem if you are separated from God's house. Just as much as you can say, hey, I'm still married to my wife, even though I live in another state, your marriage isn't gonna last, bro. And so God wants us to know that we grow in relationship, we build relationship within his house. We, we grow in every way within the context of his house. So let me just encourage you with this, that God is doing something in, in Jacob's heart and the first thing he wants to do is have close fellowship with God. That, that's the first thing. He, he realized, wow, God was in this place. I need to have close fellowship with him. Now, here's why I realize that this is a big moment in Jacob's life. And that is, we have no record of Jacob ever praying. We have a ton of record of God speaking to Abraham and Abraham speaking to God and Isaac speaking to God. This is the first time we have any record, and we believe he was about 40, 30 to 40 years old. Jacob has not prayed. His, I, we don't know what his faith was like, but he has not prayed up until this moment. I wanna tell you something, that a God-given vision, 
when God gives you a vision, it's going to lead to obedience. It's always going to include obedience. It's always going to be include, include you saying, hey, I want to build my life the way God wants me to. And it will also always include the temptation to delay. But can I remind you that to delay is to disobey? We always say that in our home. Let's say it together as a church family. To delay is to disobey. And a lot of people, mom, I was going to do it. And three days later, I'm still going to do it. Well, how long do we have to wait? The reality is the only type of obedience is immediate obedience. Because in the delay is our implicit disobedience. And so God is going to come back to Jacob and he's going to tell him about 20 years later in Genesis 31, 13, he is going to say, I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar and where thou vowest a vow unto me. And we'll talk about what that vow is. And then he says this, now arise. Let's say that together. Now arise. Don't, don't wait, Jacob. You've waited too long. Don't, don't wait to obey me. I want you to obey me now. Man, I want you to step out now. I, I'm the same God that you, that, that you experienced in that moment in Bethel. And I want to call you to obedience. Now, I don't know what you're like, but sometimes when God is calling you, sometimes it's easier to postpone what you're not really excited about doing. We all have those moments. But to illustrate this, I saw a video recently of a pilot and, and a aircraft traffic controller having a little bit of an argument as there was a tornado about to touch down near an airport. The pilot just delayed just long enough to take off when he wanted. Watch this. Aircraft call position, there's a tornado coming. Oh, come on, we're already on the runway. Spirit 861, He says, where are you going? And he goes, I'm going where I want to go. And he says, well, I ordered a ground stop. And he's like, well, let me wait, let me wait, let me wait. Well, I'm already in the air. I'm not stopping. And then the air traffic controller very politely said, remind me never to fly Spirit Airlines, okay? So if you work for Spirit Airlines, I'm sorry, but I, that's a little bit of a dig, okay? Um, we all, we all tend to postpone. We want to delay. We want to think that, okay, if I delay what God is from his control tower asking me to do, it'll make it easier and it never does. That's why David said in Psalm 119, 32, I will run in the way of thy commandments. When thou shalt enlarge my heart, he says, God is going to put a vision, something inside me. He's going to develop my, my desires and he is going to work in me to will and to do his good pleasure. God will increase your heart, not just your, the thing that pumps the blood through, but, but your, your mind, will, and emotions. God will expand that to do what you are obeying him in doing. When I run the way of his commandments, then he enlarge is my heart. And so we see that the awe of God is what, what in, it, it initiates, what, it's what shows the vision, it, what, it clarifies vision. Then we see it initiates building. There's something that grows. There's something that goes. There's something that is being obedient uh, because of the vision. Then I want you to see finally, and we're finished. Vision inspires sacrifice. Vision inspires sacrifice. So this is the vow 
that Jacob vowed to God in verse 20. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me, which God said he would be, and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on. So if he'll meet my needs, okay, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. Everyone say, my God. I will tell you that when you make your God personal, he's not just your parents' God. It's not just your, the, the faith of, of your ancestors. It's not just a church or a moment. No, it's your faith. It's your relationship with God. That's a turning point. And it was for Jacob as well. And in that moment, he says, this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. This will be a meeting place. This will be a place that I'll always come back to. It'll be a special place. And then he says this, and this is where the sacrifice comes in. And he says, and of all that thou shalt give me. So Jacob had nothing at this point other than what he just, what he was carrying. He didn't have, he didn't have wealth. He didn't have possessions. He didn't have houses. He had nothing. So he says, God, whatever you give me, that's 100% more of what I have. So whatever you give me, I'm going to sacrifice. I, I will surely give the 10th unto thee. Now, maybe you've never heard this or maybe never seen it in the Bible, but over 150 times, the Bible talks about the fact that God is the giver of everything. Do you, do you believe that? That God is the provider of everything. And that God asks for us to trust him with 10% of everything he provides. Regardless of what you heard or what you haven't heard or what you believe, I believe the Bible teaches the 10th. It's the Hebrew word uh, ashar or asar. It's, it's the root of mashar or masar. And it means tithe or a 10th, to give a 10th, to give God a minimum portion. So God gives 100% for us to steward and asks us to trust him in faith with 10%. And Jesus talked about this moment of trust. He talked about uh, the, the pull of our things, our, uh, our portion versus trusting him. When he said, all these things, all the possessions, all the things that he gives to us, the Gentile seeks those things. The, the person who doesn't know God, all, they live their life for things, for possessions, for, for things that they can gain. But he says this, but seek you. So, so if you're following me, if, if, if you're following my kingdom, my will, my vision for your life, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all these things. So let's say that together, all these things. So he's saying, hey, the things aren't the problem. Money is never the issue. And so you have lots of churches, some that you know, harp on this all the time in a legalistic fashion. And they're like, money, money, money. That's not us. But then you have some churches that are afraid to talk about it at all when the Bible talks a lot about it. And the reality is, they're just afraid of talking about the boundary that God has placed around our heart. It's not about the money, it's about our heart. And so Jesus said, all these things, these same things shall be added unto you. And so when Danielle and I first were married, 
there was this, there was this pride in my heart to manage the things that we are given. And Danielle and I have, she's in here, we've talked a lot about this, but when we first got married, in my insecurity, I just wanted to take care of everything and I wanted her to know, I've got this. The reality was, I didn't have it, right? And, and the reality was, there were some things that weren't going well and, we, and I started to get us into debt as a young couple, which is not good. And, and, and so it all kind of, you know how things kind of culminate into like one moment that you remember? So I don't know if this is Danielle's moment, but this is mine. We had just gone to a couples retreat and, and how many of you know, those couples retreat, you know, you hear all of these things, you know, you know, whisper sweet nothings. And, you know, you're just like, okay, you know, and, 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 you know, all these things. And there was some really great advice, but I was feeling the pressure. I was feeling financial pressure. And I mean, I, it was just rough. And so we go to one of my favorite places that I believe is just a blessing, a little blessing from the Lord, Chick-fil-A. We pull into Chick-fil-A and, and by the way, it's closed on Sunday, all right? They, 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 they're closed on Sunday, another, another reason to love them. Uh, but, but we pull into the driveway, uh, the, the, the drive-through, and we had ordered our food, and it's about $20 or whatever. And, and we came to the window, and she gave me the total, and I handed my card, and they were very kind as they always were. And it was her pleasure to tell me that it had, it had been declined, right? And so I was like, Try it again. And she said, again, my pleasure. And I was thinking, please work. As if, as if the time between the first time that they ran it and it was declined to the second time that they ran it and it was declined, that, that some miracle would happen. You guys know it didn't happen, okay? So she handed it back. And in this moment, and again, we had already been talking about, you know, and she's like, hey, just include me. Let's talk about it. I can help. Like, and, and I was like, it's all good. Like, stop asking questions. You know, I want to just handle this. And I was, and I did not want to be vulnerable and admit, hey, listen, we, we, I need to communicate. And in those moments, in that moment, I made two decisions. I needed to change two things. Because when I got my card back, I, I had to pay. It wasn't like I could just drive off. So I pulled out a credit card that we had decided we were not going to use. And I used that credit card. And I don't know if I could just speak to the husbands for a second. Do you ever like feel the disappointment? <laughs> like it's just a wave. And I'm like, oh, I know. And you didn't, she didn't need to say anything. But it was like a wave of, wow, I have really messed this thing up. But I made two decisions because I didn't want to stay in that. How many of you know? Like I wanted that to be the last moment, Okay. And, and in this moment, this was the trajectory that, that, that for me changed everything. And here was the first moment, all right? And guys and future husbands, let me just tell you, please learn from my stupidity, okay? Learn from my mistakes. In that moment, I said, I am always going to include her and ask her help in this area of finances. Boy, was that a good decision, okay? Because she had a lot of help to give. And the moment she got involved, our finances got a lot better, okay? And it was just a lot better, right? She is, she's organized and everything just kind of got, it got a lot better, okay? So 
So there's that moment. And I'm not too proud to admit that. But here's, here's the other moment that changed. Is I, I was giving to the Lord and I was sacrificing. But I was trying to put all of my bills and everything. I was trying to fit everything in my own power first before putting God first. And in that moment, I just said, we're, we're always going to put God first. And we, I, I started to say, hey, we're giving, but we're, we were giving when we could. We're gonna give 10%. And we're in, we're in debt, we have to get out, but we're gonna let God help us get to where we need to go. We're not gonna try to do it without God and without his blessing. We're gonna do it with him. Now, what, where, where does that come from? Where, where, does that, where does that stem from? It stems from a vision of, of the kingdom that is not you first, but is him first. And so our vision for God's kingdom, it becomes deflated if our view of possessions is inflated. If our view of things is bigger than our view of God, we will always be like, what in the world? That's strange. That's weird. I've never heard of that before. When we come to scripture, we realize that when we seek God over things, God provides all of our needs. Now, this is not just pie in the sky, you know, pastor talk. When Epaphroditus from the church at Philippi gave things, Philippians 4.18, Epaphroditus brought the things, okay? Then, and it was a sacrifice, by the way, verse 18. It was a sacrifice, but it was pleasing to God. They sacrificed things that, that the kingdom needed, that God wanted to use through the apostle Paul. And what happened? God supplied all of their need according to his riches, not your riches. So here's what happens. Many Christians try to live without God's blessing and they're like, well, I'll give 1% or I can't give it all. And they're trying to do everything with their 100%. Here's what God asks for you. He says, you trust me with 10% and see what I can do with the 90 that's left. And that is, that is totally based on faith and it's totally putting God in the driver's seat and saying, God, I am asking for you to supply these needs because I am putting your kingdom, your first, and I'm letting you bring the blessing. Here's the other side of the blessing. If we don't live in the blessing, there's a curse. And a lot of people don't like to talk about this. And there's a lot of pastors who are unwilling to quote the verses that I'm about to quote to you, but I would rather you know the truth. How many of you want to know the truth, right? You don't want to go to the doctor and him say, yeah, you're all right. And then you find out like three months later, oh, you're really in bad shape. No, 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 no. Tell me the truth. So Malachi chapter three says, will a man rob God? Verse eight, yet you have robbed me. Whoa, 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 whoa. How have we robbed thee? He, they said, in tithes and offerings, in the 10%. In, in, in the sacrificial gift, he says, hey, listen, I gave you everything. I'm just asking you to trust me with 10. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So what, what are we supposed to do? Well, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be a, that there may be meat in, my, in thine ha- mine house. And then he says, prove me. So prove that I can take care of you. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And so you say, 
wow, you know, that's great. And some people have, have told me about this passage. Pastor, I don't believe in that passage because that's the law. That was before Jesus brought grace. Listen, Jacob was tithing before the law was even written. He's giving 10%. It's not about the law. It's about us trusting God. Whether or not we're willing to trust him, that's the true question. You see, even Jesus recognized that this was how the kingdom works. And in Luke chapter 11, verse 42, he's like, hey, don't act like the Pharisees when, when they're not loving God and when they're, you know, puffing themselves up, but they do tithe. They tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs. And he says at the end of the verse, these things ought to be done. Like these things ought to have done. Like you, you should tithe. Like Jesus is saying that, not me, not some religion, not some get, wit, get rich quick scream. No, this is Jesus saying, hey, just trust me. It's not about what you give. It's about your heart. It's about the fact that that 10% is you saying, God, through your grace, through your empowerment, I'm going to give and I'm going to let you do a good work. And this is what Paul said to the church at Corinth, that God is able to make uh, all grace abound towards you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And he was talking about the good work of giving. Let him give, he says in verse seven, not grudgingly or of necessity, but God loves a cheerful giver. God loves someone who says, God, I'm gonna trust you enough to not just trust you with my time, which, trust, which shows your trust in God's sovereignty. I'm not just gonna trust you with my agenda, with, with my vision for my life. That, that shows your trust in, in God's plan and, and in his word but I'm gonna trust you with my finances. And I will tell you, a lot of times we don't like people talking about that because it's like, it's mine, it's mine. And a lot of people misunderstand greed. Greed is not an insatiable desire for more. That's, that's envy and covetousness. But our culture has a big problem and I've struggled with this before as well. Greed is a desire to hold on to what God has given you and not to allow it to flow through you. The moment we stop giving of our time, energy, effort, resources is the moment we have been overcome with greed. And I wanna release you from that. And I believe God will, but let me give you an illustration and then we'll be finished. Chandler, could you bring up that, that heavy weight? I, was, I, was, uh, uh, I had a CT scan this last week that, that cleared me to do a little exercise and I thought I would start with you guys, okay? So uh, this is a 25 pound weight, so it's not a ton, okay? But I haven't, I haven't worked out for about a month, okay? So when you work out and you go to the gym or whatever, it's a sacrifice. You're sacrificing your time. If you, if you pay for a gym membership, you're sacrificing your money. It's effort, you know, and, and, and there's pain involved. I mean, the more that you do, it's like, oh my goodness. And some of you are looking at me like, yeah, that's exactly why I don't go to the gym, okay? It's, it's painful, it's, it's, it's hard, it's, it's money. But, but here's the point, is when you're wanting energy, when you're wanting health, when you're wanting more life, a longer life or whatever, you have to expend that. So it's like, I want energy. In college, I was so, I was so tired. I was like a zombie. And one of my professors stopped me after class. He's like, you look really tired. I said, I am really tired. And he said, how much are you exercising? I said, I don't have time to exercise. And he looked at me and he said, you don't have time not to exercise. You're, you're, you're in a very hard season of your life. You have to exercise in order to have the sleep and the energy to be able to do all the things you're trying to do. And I think a lot of people say, God, I can't give because I don't have the money to give. And God's like, 
You will never have the money if you don't start giving. You will never see the blessing. You will never uh, be able to do what I want you to do unless you're willing to sacrifice. And so here's the crazy thing is a lot of Christians say, oh, I, man, I could never give. I, I, I just, I mean, when I look at my budget and I look at all the money, I just couldn't. Wait till you get the bill in heaven for not giving. Wait, wait till you see how much you forfeited and not. It's the same thing with exercise. The benefit comes after you expend, after the sacrifice is made. And so in life, oftentimes we are, we are resistant to sacrifice, but I believe we should ask God to show us an area where we can sacrifice and where it can lead to greater vision and motivation for his will and his work. And here's the thing I know, church family, is that vision begins with an awe of God and it motivates us to sacrifice and to build our lives around his purpose and his plan. I don't have anything super brilliant to say to you in my own words, but let me say what Jesus said. It is so far greater and more blessed to give than it is to receive. And as a church family, we want to live lives that has God's vision of who he is and allows us to build the life that he's called us to live and build the life that he, that he, that he wants us to build. But that will only be done through sacrifice. Don't ever, don't ever buy a, a prosperity gospel that says that everything is good all the time and that you will always receive blessing there is, there is obedience. On every side of faith, there's obedience. And there's a blessing on, every, on the other side of that obedience and faith. And so us as Christians, we as Christians, we are to walk in the vision that God has given for us. And it's gonna be building and it's gonna be growing, but it's gonna require sacrifice. Let's pray. Lord, I ask and pray that you'd help us. Help us not to live lives that are built so around our, uh, our idea of what is good, our passions, our uh, longings, or the things that we think will make us happy. Help us not to build our lives around a selfish goal or motive. But I pray that you would help us, Lord, to live lives that are surrendered. Lord, I pray for maybe one or, or more that, Maybe they, they came in here and, and they have thought that doing good would bring a good result, like maybe heaven or hopefully their good outweighs their bad. But I pray that they would today know that Lord, you brought the goodness into this earth that did not exist. And Lord, that it is through your good gift of grace that we can be saved. I pray that they would receive you now. And then Lord, I wanna ask and pray for those who maybe they're hearing about uh, sacrifice and giving for the first time. Lord, I pray that Satan would not have any place to tell them a lie, that Lord, it's, it's for a selfish motive, but Lord, that they would know that this is one way of placing the priority off of ourselves, off of temporal things and placing our eyes and our desires and our heart on eternal things. Lord, I pray that you would use this moment 
uh, as we respond to your word. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and we end every service with a time of reflection and response. We don't wanna just sit here and not be changed. And so as we've heard the truth, our heart is to respond. And if you have heard about uh, Jesus being the gate, the gate to heaven, he is, he is the one that came down to earth to make a way of escape from our sin, uh, to have a, a moment where we begin relationship with God. You have no relationship with God without Jesus. The Bible's super clear on that. And so if you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus, maybe you're watching online now or at another time, I wanna encourage you to call out to him. Prayer doesn't save you, but believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead so that you could be saved. That's the moment of salvation. That's the moment that the Bible says, and Jesus said, you will be born again. And so I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. I'd, I'd ask that you would just, in your heart and mind, call out to God. Say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know that I could never do anything to save myself. So today, I receive you once and for all as my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer and you received him, I, I wanna congratulate you. I'm not gonna point you out, but I'd love to pray for you in a moment. I'm gonna pray. But how many of you would say, I, I just, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. You'd raise your hand, put it up. Thank you so much. Anyone else would join these hands. You would say, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. You can put it up, put it right back down. I wanna make sure that I see you. you. You made that decision today. That's a great decision to be made. Um, if you're online or listening on the radio, I, I would encourage you to reach out to us. Let us know that you made that decision. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but in this moment, I'm gonna ask you to maybe circle an action item. Maybe there's something God talked to you about. And, and oftentimes it's the thing that you're like, oh boy, I don't know about that. That's the thing that God wants you to step out in faith. And so whether, whether it's uh, having a vision for your family, your life, uh, your heart that's based on God's promises and not based on, on your passions or, or what you think is good, but really surrendering to what God thinks is good and right. Maybe you, you are having a, a moment where God was leading you to sacrifice, to begin giving, to begin tithing. And that's something that you're surrendering to God. Hey, God, I'm gonna need you to show up in a big way. And you're, you're gonna prove him as, the, as Malachi says, you're gonna prove him that he will supply all your need with his riches. And so in this moment, I'm gonna ask you to pray. And right as you're praying, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask the Lord to help every decision that's being made. But don't, don't leave without making a decision. I would encourage you right now to pray and commit something to him. Let's pray together as you're praying. Lord, as everyone in this room is bowing their head and, and focusing on you, Lord, I pray that you would please help us, Lord. Um, to be surrendered to you in this area. Lord, as Jacob just had a renewed relationship with you, Lord chose to sacrifice, I pray that we would have that response. Wow, look at all that God has done for me. Now, now this is just a token of what I can do um, to recognize all he has done for me. I pray that that would be our heart and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.